0: In Parshas Bahar, the Torah warns the Am Yisrael against dealing unjustly, one with another, in monetary transactions. When you're doing business with your fellow Jew, if you're selling to him or you're buying from him, you shouldn't aggrieve him by cheating him or overcharging him. Bahar. It's a fundamental Torah law, what the Gemara and Baba Messiah refers to as Onaz mammon, the Avera of causing sorrow to your fellow Jew in monetary matters. But then in Pasuk 17, when the Torah comes to the end of this subject matter, we're warned the same thing a second time. Tonu ish et amito, And you should not aggrieve your fellow man. And the Gemara is bothered by that. What's this repetition for? What is the second Pasuk coming to teach us? And what the Gemara answers introduces us to an entirely new Torah commandment altogether. Ma'adi Mikayim. How do we explain the second Pasuk? Be'onaz devarim hakasuv midaber. The Pasuk is talking about hurting a person with words. The seeming repetition of verse 14 above actually is no repetition at all. It's not speaking about preying on your fellow Jew's money, but about praying on his emotions. It's a specific lav against speaking words that hurt a fellow man's feelings. And even more than that, the Gemara tells us a big chiddush there. It says there that not only is this an Avera to hurt somebody with your words, but it's even worse than hurting him monetarily. That's why Chazal says, gadol onas devorim onas mamun. It's worse to hurt a man's feelings than to steal his money. Hurtful words are worse than taking his money. I always give the same muscle. Here are two storekeepers on the same avenue. One of them, when you walk in there, you have to watch him very carefully because when he's weighing the merchandise on the scale, sometimes he pushes down with his hand. He wants to add a little bit more weight to the banana you're buying so that he can overcharge you. You have to say, Mr., Please take your hand off the scale. Also, with him, you always have to count your change. However, this cheating grocer is a polite fellow. He's always kind to you and he doesn't say any mean words. You have to watch out when he's handling your bananas and your money. But you don't have to beware of a sharp tongue. Now, on the other side of the street, there's another grocer. He's a man who's perfectly honest, 100% honest. He wouldn't even think of cheating you out of a nickel. If you accidentally left a penny of your change on the counter, he would put it on the side for you. He would hold it for you and give it to you the next time you come in. But on the other hand, he is mean. If you say an extra word, if you ask him where the tuna fish is, he answers you with a sharp word. Look right in front of you on the shelf. Can't you see it? He'll never steal even a penny from you, but he'll hurt you with a careless tongue. Now the question is, who is better? Of course, neither of them are good, because every man must strive for perfection in all areas of Avodah Hashem. But for the sake of understanding our subject, we have to answer this question. Who is better, the pleasant crook on this side of the street, or the grocer on the other side, who's mean, but he's as straight as an arrow when it comes to money? Listen to what the Gemara says about this. Godel onas devorim meonas mamun. The sin of hurtful words is worse than the sin of cheating a man out of his money. The nice crook on this side of the street is better. He's only cheating you out of your money. But at least he's not hurting your feelings. And who's the bigger crook? The honest grocer who would never take a penny from you. We're learning now that if you put your hand in somebody's pocket and take out his money, it's a smaller Avera than saying something hurtful to hurt his feelings. Here's a nice Jewish boy who would never even dream about stealing from his mother. A son wouldn't sin against his own mother like that. But suppose his mother is talking a little bit too much. So he says, Ma, don't talk so much. Oh, he's hurting his mother's feelings. That's worse than stealing money out of her pocketbook. Onaz Hurtful words are worse than Geneva. And the Gemara explains three reasons why it's worse. Number one is this. Rabbi Shimon Ba Yochai points out that in the first Pasuk, by stealing or cheating in money matters, it doesn't say anything about fearing Hashem. Of course we know that we have to be afraid of Hashem. Everybody knows how serious it is to take away money from a Jew. But still, nothing is said there about fearing Hashem. But in the second Pasuk, when we are warned against hurting your fellow Jew with words, the Torah goes out of its way to add the words Vayareta Melokeha. You should be afraid of Hashem, which means especially afraid. A cheater also has to be afraid. But for the man who hurts feelings, the Torah says, Be afraid of the repercussions. If Khalila you say something that hurts someone else, you have to be especially afraid. Of Hashem. If you say an insulting word to somebody, you already have to be apprehensive. What might be? No question about it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes action if you hurt people's feelings. Now, Rabbi Elazar adds a second reason why Onaz Devarim is worse than stealing money. When you hurt his money, it's only his money. It's something external to him. But when you hurt his feelings... You're hurting him. Words hurt the body. You're affected physically. Your nerves, your heart, your mind is hurt. It's actually painful. Sometimes words that come out of your mouth are like the piercings of a sword. Mishle. And Rabbi Shmuel Bar adds yet another reason. Money you could always pay back. But hurt feelings, you can't pay back. No, not only is he hurt, but you can't make it up to him. Money you could always repay, you can do Shuva. You took it away, so you give it back. If a man stole from you, he might mail in a check someday and pay it back. But if he hurt your feelings, no check can make that up. If the feelings are hurt, they're hurt. And you can never pay back the hurt feelings. And even if you asked for Mechila and he says wholeheartedly, I am Moichel you, but his feelings are still hurt. The effect is still there. Let's say you wound somebody. You make a cut on him with a knife. Right now there's a gash and it's going to leave a terrible scar. So you asked for Mechila and you also paid his medical bills. Wonderful, very good. But the scar is permanent. He's Baal Mum forever as a result. That's how it is with feelings too. They are... Forever. We remember the words, even though you are kind-hearted and you're moichel, but you still remember the incidents when your feelings were hurt by somebody. And you remember them years and years. When you'll be an old man and a hundred years old, and you'll look back, you'll remember, this one hurt my feelings, and that one hurt my feelings. It's engraved in your mind. Now, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I remember what people said to me many years ago to hurt my feelings. I'm them with the a gemura, but I can't forget it. I was in the yeshiva for many years. I dealt with maybe 2,000 boys. Every one of them was polite to me. Everyone was nice and polite. Only five Bakurim in my entire career. 19 years I was in the yeshiva, and only five bochorim said something fresh to me. I remember their names. It's a remarkable thing. I can't forget it. Ha-Kadosh Baruch Baruch should bless them. They should have Bechol They should grow old and have great-grandchildren, and they should have Parnasa Berevach. All good things should happen to them. But what happened still remains. It remains. You know, there's a beautiful custom that some husbands and wives have to ask Michil of each other before the Yamim Noraim, Rav Yitzchak Peterberg, when he went to the shul on Erev Rosh Hashanah, before he walked out of the house he turned around and told his wife Zai Mir Moichel forgive me, my wife and she said forgive me too it's a very good minhug to imitate and you don't have to wait for Erev Rosh Hashanah either it's very wise to do that right now but even if you do that you have to know like the Gemara said it's Begufo and it's not Nitin Lehishavon. It's pain that cannot be repaid. A man who hurts his wife with words. It's not forgotten. And even though she is willing to overlook it, in her heart, it rankles. The pain is still there and it's considered a blot on his record. And if it happens many times, he should know that when he comes to the next world, the record will be taken out before the dying MS and he'll be judged. He won't be able to get away with the things that he did. Neither will she. It's a very serious matter. It's a pity that so many people have their records filthied with blots on them because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is listening and he puts it down in the Sefer Hazichroinus, a fine couple living together loyally. But still they spend their lives in hurting each other's feelings. It will be played back for them and each word is going to cause them unimaginable guilt. Umagid la'adam ma'asichoh and they'll be condemned for every word of course it could be that they forgive each other before they die on her deathbed she forgives her husband he approaches the bed and says please forgive me for everything that I said at least he should have seichel to say that some don't even have seichel to say that and when he is dying his wife should approach him and say please my husband forgive me for everything that I said or did against you I know one man who was evil to his wife he was always belittling her he made her life a I know the story very well. I spoke to him. I called him a devil. And he was a from man, a frum devil. And when she was on her deathbed, he came to her and he asked her to forgive him. And she said, I won't forgive you. And then she died. A true story. He was finished. He had left the world and he hadn't acquired her mechila. That's why the subject of Onah's Devorim just can't be ignored. We have to realize that hurting somebody's feelings is a lav, just the same as eating ham. It's worse. Eating ham is a lav de horaisa, but it never happens. From Jews eating ham, we cringe at the thought of eating chazir. But when it comes to onaz Devarim, we're trampling on it all the time. And I want to tell you something. The place where many of us are trampling it the most often is our own homes. So many people are sinning with their mouths in their homes. Imagine a Jewish home where all day long they're eating ham, a bite of ham in the morning, a ham sandwich in the afternoon, and some ham for supper. Is that a froom house? A home where a husband and a wife, or where brothers and sisters are transgressing all the time. What kind of home is that? A place where they're transgressing a very serious lav all their lives. Very many times, sometimes thousands of times. Now, is that a from home? A man once told me he visited the home of a from idealist couple, a couple who were dedicated to the function of bringing up a from family. And he heard how they were hurting each other's feelings. They were saying words that pierced each other. And this gentleman told me that he was devastated when he saw what was taking place. Now these are two idealistic people. Very fine people. They're bringing up a big family, and they're full of Yiddish shamayim. And yet, they are busy hurting each other's feelings. It may be that he's relieving himself after a day of hard work in the office, and she after a day of hard work with all the kids. But it's not an excuse. Again and again, people have told me that their fathers and mothers were fine people, loyal parents, but they were always fighting. Now, isn't that a tragedy? Always fighting? Over what? I tried to discover. Was there any fundamental reason? No. Just meanness, carelessness, foolishness. Midos, raus. They actually didn't want any harm to come to each other. If one of them would fall ill, the other one would loyally do everything to help. And yet carelessness with the tongue ruin them because they never learned how serious the Isser of Onaz Devarim really is. And it's not only between a husband and a wife or between a brother and a sister. Your children too. You have to learn to be careful not to hurt your children's feelings. It's forbidden to sin against a child with your tongue. Sometimes it's even better to give a patch rather than to insult a child. To call him a dummy. Other things. Sometimes a child is insulted in front of other children, and he'll remember that forever. And it will remain on your record forever as well. Just like Gezel, if you steal money that belongs to a katan, let's say someone gave a child something as a present, so now it's his property. It's das achedis makne. So it's his. Si tois gitten. You can't steal it from him. I know a zaidi. Who when his grandchildren come to visit him, he gives them lollipops or little toys. And when they go out, sometimes one of the grandchildren leaves it over in the house by accident. So the Zaydi doesn't give it to anybody else. Because he gave it to the grandchild. Das acheres makne. So the child was koine it. He can't give it to a different grandchild anymore. He puts it away. He waits for that grandchild to come back. You'll say, well, he left it over. I'll give it to somebody else. No. You can't give it to somebody else. It belongs to that grandchild. Anything else would be gezel. That's the halacha. You can't play around with that. It's playing with fire. And the same is onaz devarim, only that it's a much more dangerous fire. As careful as you are with his money, you have to be doubly careful with his feelings. Hashem will remember the shame you caused that child. Now this does not preclude giving a smack. A smack is a salutary thing. Sometimes, rather than to knock the sun and say, you're no good, it's better if you give him one smack. Of course, in America today, it's forbidden to say such words of kafida, But a patch has its benefits. Only you have to know when and how. We've discussed this here many times. If you see he's not doing his homework, or he doesn't go to the yeshiva, he's being lazy. Or mechutzof. Better a smack than ornaz devorim. Of course, sometimes... A glut on the cheek is the best option. A kind glut can do wonders. But whatever it is, onaz nazdavarim is wrong. Leave that out. You can force him to do what he has to do. Forcing is not bad. But to use your tongue as a sword, to call him names, to convince him that he is a failure or a low character, it's one of the worst things you could do. Because constant recrimination and belittling just wears down a child's self-confidence. And convinces him that he's a nothing. Of course, a father is responsible to raise his children. He must discipline them. He can't let them grow hefker like weeds. A child is a tree. It needs tending to grow properly. And therefore, exactly what to do. But whatever approach you take, you must always remember that it must be done because applies to everyone. The Gemara in Masech says that in the time to come, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to put on a great drama, a pantomime. And who's going to be the audience? Who's going to come and watch the play? Us, all of mankind, will be assembled to watch. Now, we understand that plays are usually a waste of time. Sometimes they have to make sadaqah plays. Things like that but Stam plays for entertainment are a Narshkite. But if it's a performance put on by Hashem, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the producer and the director of the drama, then we understand there's a big lesson to be learned. Now it says there that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to bring onto the stage all the wild animals, all the animals together on one side. And on the other side, all by himself, will be the snake. And the animals are going to confront the snake. They'll fall upon the snake and accuse him. You wicked creature! What did you get out of biting people and injecting your venom into them? Mahana yeshlichah. What benefit do you have from that? When we fell upon prey, the animals will tell the Nachash, at least it was because we were hungry. But you didn't do it because you wanted to eat. Any creature that crossed your path, you bit, merely to inject venom and to kill for no purpose at all. That's wickedness. That's what the animals are going to say at that great drama. And all mankind will be viewing and listening. So the snake will defend itself. Why are you attacking me? There's a creature that's even worse than me. Go after him first. Worse than you? Who's worse than you? The animals will ask. And the Nachash will turn and point to the audience. At us. It's him. The man with the wicked tongue. What benefit does he get by talking about other people and slandering them? I at least have an instinct to protect myself. So when I think somebody is an enemy, I have an instinct to poison him. But what does this man get out of poisoning people? Just to inject venom for no reason? For some punny little pleasure of shooting off the mouth? So all you wild animals, says the Nachash, should assemble and accuse the real guilty party, the Baal Haloshim, the one who... Who speaks Lashon Hora? Ma Yisron Bala Lushan? What benefit is there to a man of a bad tongue? He is the very worst creature there is in the world. It means he's the very worst of all creatures. The very worst person is the Baal lushan Hora. That's what this pantomime is going to demonstrate. And we have to remember who he's talking about. He's talking about us. Now, I know that when you talk about Lashon Hara today, it's a popular subject. People learn the Sefer Chafetz Chaim and the Shmiras Salash, And they think that Lashon Hara means gossip, talking evil about people. And of course it does. And that's a subject that needs a great deal of circumspection. A great deal of caution. Nitzor <laughs> You have to guard your tongue from wickedness. Now a person who talks bad about other people is a Russian Gomer. No question about it. But he's not the only poisonous person that the Nachash was pointing at. There's a different type of Lashon Hara that is often overlooked. And that is the Lashon Hara of saying hurtful words to your fellow man. To hurt people's feelings. That's the real Lashon Hara. That's the most wicked of tongues. Because yesh boite b'mad charev. Sometimes words that come out of your mouth are like piercing swords. Many times, even unintentionally, you can say a word that causes a person to become melancholy for the rest of the day. If you're not careful, you can even kill with your tongue. Don't think that what you say just bounces off of people. Many times people have committed suicide because of an unkind word. They were already loaded down with so much discouragement. All they needed was one more word and they said, to heck with it all. A woman, a sensitive woman, told me that her husband almost killed her once. She wasn't well, and he came home and said something careless, and he pierced her with a sword. He almost finished her off. I'll tell you a little story of a tzaddik, who didn't vex his wife with any words, but even without opening his mouth, he hurt his wife unintentionally. That's also a form of onah. Yehuda, the son of Chia, He was a great man. Yehuda and Chizkiah are the two famous sons of Chia. Now Chizkiah lived much longer and he was the Rabbi of Rabbi Yoichanan, and he's frequently in the Gemara. But Yehuda is found rarely in the Gemara. Now why is he so rarely found? Because he died when he was young. The Gemara tells what happened. All week he sat in the yeshiva and learned he didn't come home at night, Erev Shabbos, that's when he came home. And so every Friday his wife would wait by the window looking down the road. Maybe he's coming now. Maybe now. She's so happy her husband is coming home for Shabbos. Without a father, what kind of Shabbos is it? One Friday afternoon it was getting late and somebody asked Yehuda a Talmud the question in which he was interested in. And he became involved in a discussion that dragged out. And it became later and later. And his wife was sitting at the window waiting. She saw it was getting late and there was no sign of him. And so her heart fell within her and she thought, Maybe he's not coming for this Shabbos. And a tear dripped out of her eye, down her cheek. And Akadosh Baruch Hu at that time took Yehuda's life. Be careful with Ona against your wife. She sheds a tear, your punishment will be swift. That's what the Gemara in Baba Metziah says. Now Yehuda was an innocent man who loved the Torah with all his heart. And he certainly intended to come home. But because of a certain disregard for the feelings of his loyal wife who was waiting for him, he was punished so severely. Now that's a story that should cause us to tremble. You should be afraid of Hashem. We begin to understand what it means to vex people with words. If a tear caused unintentionally has such severe repercussions, how much more so when a husband pierces his wife with the sword of a sharpened tongue. And therefore... It becomes necessary for people to think. What did I say during the day? Maybe I should train my tongue to be restrained. Maybe I'm too careless with my feelings. Husbands and wives, boys and girls, old sages and business people. Everyone must spend time, lots of time, thinking about how they speak. You should know that I consider the most serious michshol in marriage. For many years I've dealt with people coming to me Sometimes I succeeded, sometimes I didn't succeed. But I can tell you that most of the time the troubles began with Onaz devorim, words that hurt. That's why when a chassan or a kala come and ask for advice, this is one of the first things they should know. It's a very serious chet. Unfortunately, some people spend all their lives saying unpleasant words to each other. 50 years of bickering and constant quarreling, each time hurting each other's feelings these people who are spending their lives in careless words and recrimination, they have to know what a very great burden there's going to be on them. A very great guilt. Now, of course, if you're a wise person, you'll say, what do words mean? I'll forget about the words. That's right. That's what you should do. Make believe you never heard it. But not always are both wise. Sometimes one is not so wise. And what you say to her, or what she said to you. Who knows how long it will rankle. And it becomes a poison. Like the venom of a snake. And then on that great day of judgment. The snake will point at you. That's the truly wicked one he'll say. Now as much as a tongue can be a most dangerous weapon. In the hands of a careless person. The opportunities for doing good with your tongue. To heal instead of destroy. Are just as readily available. In Mishlei it states. Marpe Lushan. A healing tongue is a tree of life. That means if you train yourself to console people, to make them feel good, you're going to become a very great professor of medicine. With your tongue, you can accomplish more than physicians do. People are ailing and they need a lift. Everybody needs a word of consolation, a friendly expression, or a compliment. You'll be surprised how important the friendly word is. Don't think that because a person is an extrovert and he's bubbling with talk and it's hard to get a word in sideways that he doesn't need it. Don't worry. He's listening for something from you. What people need more than anything else in this world are a couple of kind words. I hear it when people call me on the telephone. Many people call me up for advice, but they don't let me talk. It's remarkable. It looks like they're coming for advice, but they don't want to listen to me. They are waiting for a wow. Once in a while, they'll give you a space of a few seconds to say a word or two in between. You're right. You're right. Of course, you can't always say you're right, but that's what people want. They don't want advice. They want justification and kind words. Everyone needs a little more joy in their lives, and you could be the one who pours salve on the wounds of your discouraged fellow Jew. That's the medicine that mankind craves most. Some recognition. A kind word. And you have the medicine to give to them. That's what your tongue is for. It's not for our nos It's for a four. And if you say one kind word, he'll remember that. And it'll change not only his day. It could be that it will change his life too. Because as much as a wicked word remains forever, a kind word is even more. I'm ashamed to tell you this story. I once spoke to a galach when I was a little boy. I had some reason. A galach spoke to me. I was about 12 years old and the galach said to me a little something, a compliment. It meant almost nothing, but I can't forget it. I even know his name. To this day, I remember his name. He had a white necktie. I remember exactly the picture before my face. When somebody says a good word to you, it's inscribed in your memory forever. The President of America is waiting for a kind word. Believe me, if you send the postcard to Ronald Reagan, he'll appreciate it. Send the letter to Mr. Reagan. Why not? I once wrote letters to the President Truman way back. A lot of them. He appreciated it. His assistant sent me back thank you letters. Don't think they ignore the letters. Believe me, the letters are appreciated. Don't think the policeman doesn't want kind words from you. He may look stern standing on the corner. A policeman once started talking to me. So I said, people appreciate to see you around here. It doesn't look like it, he said. Nobody talks to me. He thinks people don't like him. That people resent him being there and watching them. All day long he's trotting around on his horse or he's walking around and nobody talks to him. He's waiting for a kind word. Now, while encouraging civil servants is very good, our primary focus should be on our fellow Jews. And the opportunities for that are endless on the street, in the shul. Wherever there are from Jews, it's an opportunity to practice having a marpei lushan, a healing tongue of kind words and chizuk and compliments. You can always make a donation of a few kind words. A wise person will always find something to say that gives people a lift. But, of all the opportunities, there's not one that is as prolific as fertile as the home. The Jewish home is the scene where the avoida of Marpe Lushan can be carried out in the best possible way. Your family members, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your children- those are the best opportunities because they're always available in the house. Sometimes brothers and sisters hurt each other's feelings, they ridicule each other and are sinning constantly with Ornaz Devarim. It's a terrible misuse of opportunity. You won't have them forever. Someday they'll scatter, and each one will look back to the olden days when he had his brothers and his sisters all together. Your children too. Children who are encouraged in the home learn better. They are more neat in their habits. They are cooperative if they are encouraged. And most of all, it's the best vitamins, encouragement, compliments, praises, those are the best vitamins for your children. When he does a little bit, make it better than it is and let him feel that there's an incentive to do good. If a mother or father sees a child making a bracha with kavana, they should praise him. The principle of encouragement, of mar lashon, of kind words and compliments, is one of the foundations of a successful Jewish home. And by the way, children should seek to encourage parents. Don't forget about that. You have to encourage your father. You have to encourage your mother. You have to encourage your siblings. Don't think it's just a one-way business. There are a lot of ways you can encourage your parents, and they need it too, because the world is busy doing the opposite. And therefore, a few kind words from children mean a great deal. It's so easy to gain oilam haba if a man would make it his principle once in a while to give his wife a compliment. That's the outcry of very many women. He never once gave me a compliment. Now the husband is an honest man. He's not a superficial fellow and he thinks it's ridiculous. He thinks she knows how I appreciate everything. I have to say it. And because he is begrudging in words, his life goes by with lost opportunities. Now I want people to listen to this. Married couples should listen to this prayerfully because there are people who spend their lives at home doing the opposite. Their job in this world is to give each other encouragement and they're living their lives speaking words that are the antithesis of that career. It's very important to keep in mind that you have a whole treasury of gold that costs you nothing to share and your wife is right there and she is willing and ready to hear your encouragement from you. Your poor wife, after a day in the hot kitchen, after hours of taking care of the children, is waiting for it. And if you'd be willing to donate one or two words of encouragement, you don't know what you're accomplishing. You can say, I see you're working very hard to bring in the Shabbos Kodesh. What a big mitzvah to be involved with all day. Say something like that. Encourage her with a thoughtful, kind word. You can gain success in every encounter with your wife. Not only with your wife, Every person you meet is a new opportunity. You have to realize that a man is measured. A man is judged by how many people he encounters successfully. It pays to think about that. To make a cheshbana nefesh about that. So you start thinking. In the morning you went to the Beis HaMedrish to pray. And you encountered somebody on the way. And then in the synagogue you encountered a few people. You didn't speak to most of them. But maybe one or two you did. And then you went home for breakfast and encountered your son who was on his way out the door to yeshiva. Then you ran to the corner to catch the bus. So the bus driver was also an encounter. And then in the place where you work or lahav, if you're in the yeshiva, you also bumped into a few people. Look back at your day and see how successful these 30 or 40 or 50 encounters were. Were you successful in the important avoida of mar pelashen? Or did you chas use your tongue for the opposite? For naz devorim. You're being tested all day. Every day. Every human being is a test. And the more people you encounter, the more tests you have. Now you have to know that your wife is a lot of people. You don't have one wife. Even after the chayim did abbeinu gerashim. It's not one wife. The many times that you encounter your wife add up to many people. Same thing with a husband. Each encounter is another opportunity, another test. The 30 times in one evening that you had some ma'aseh umatan, a talk, exchange of words, or something. That's 30 encounters. It's like 30 different people. And therefore, with whom is it more frequently possible to utilize your tongue for cassette? than a husband to a wife and a wife to a husband. They see each other more than anyone else. What difference does it make if it's your wife or your neighbor or another neighbor or another neighbor? Your wife is like a hundred neighbors. Each encounter is a new test. Did she have a pleasurable response to your company or the opposite? And therefore you should say good words when your wife cooks for you supper. Tell her it's a good supper. Usually it's good. And even if it's not, say it anyhow, it's a good supper. You know how encouraging that is? You might think it's nothing. No, it's not nothing. It's everything. Choose your words. Only compliments and praises. When your wife hands you something to eat, let's say it's an opportunity. Other things too. When you walk into the house, say, how nice and clean your house is. Or say, you're an expert manager, a good balabuster. From time to time, tell your wife, she's an eish haschayel. Show appreciation. It costs no money. The human being is capable of finding the right expressions. And that's your job. He should look for ways and means of complimenting his wife. He should sing her praises. And not once and finished. He should investigate. He should find what to praise. That's his function. Sometimes it's worth giving little presents. Some husbands don't have the knack of expressing themselves. They have to learn. They have to practice. Even if it sounds strange in the beginning, keep at it. But sometimes, until you get the hang of it, you can buy little gifts. If you have trouble expressing yourself, one of the best ways a husband can continually compliment his wife is by frequently, at least once a week, buying some small article, an inexpensive gift, and bringing it home to his wife. Wives to their husbands too. Your husband maybe puts on a facade. But he craves the Torah's chesed of his wife. So your poor husband, when he comes home tired from a day in the office or in his shop, he has so much friction with customers, with supervisors, with competitors. Maybe his boss was mean to him and he's knocked out. If there's a wise wife at home, she greets him with a couple of nice words. Chaim, I'm so glad to see you. I made a nice supper for you tonight. As much as possible, she has to show appreciation for her husband too. If she sees that her husband is Isaac and Taida, she should praise him. Anything he does, she should praise. It doesn't mean she has to stand there like a canary all day long and sing to him praises. But she should look for opportunities to say a good word. A woman must make it her business always to look for opportunities to drop a word of encouragement to her husband. Chaim, you fixed the sink very well. It works perfectly now. Or, you're looking good today, my husband. It's all part of the great career of Marpe Lushen. And therefore, when we read about Onaz Devarim, in this week's parsha, and we study the words of Chazal, describing how wicked it is to say hurtful words to your fellow. Even worse than stealing from him. We must understand that avoiding that sin is only the beginning of our careers. Even if people are successful in other forms of avoidah. But if they're belittling each other, it means they're doing the opposite of what's expected in this great career, this great mission, which HaKadosh Baruch Hu requires of us. And therefore, people who have a head on their shoulders, and they think about the tremendous opportunity that they have, they won't be satisfied if they just don't criticize or recriminate. It's not enough if they don't bicker and belittle. Avoiding Onaz Devorim is most vital, but it's not enough because really it is only the foundation for much greater things. It's the stepping stool for the great career of Marpe Lushan. Have a wonderful Shabbos!